ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Relationships Rules Show. My special guest this week is David Newman. And first, welcome to the show, David. Thank you, Janice. Great to be here. You are welcome. David is a CSP, a certified speaking professional, and serves as chair of the NSA, that's the National Speakers Association, Million Dollar Speakers Group. This is high-level company that I'm keeping today, and I'm very, very um, honored to have him on my show. David is the author of the business bestsellers, Do It Marketing and Do It Speaking. And I've just had a little glimpse into both of those books, and I totally need to have them both in my library because there's so much good stuff in them. It's unbelievable. In um, He talks about 77 instant action ideas to market, monetize, and maximize your expertise, and is the uh, creator of the MBA marketing mentoring program, where he helps solo consultants market their smarts and make a bigger dent in the universe. And, you know, David, I love that because... I, my audience are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners, sales professionals. And so there's a lot of juiciness that we can get into around how to better their businesses. I have to start, though, with something you said to me in a conversation we had um, previous to, uh, to today. And it was, I mean, I, I know I'm going to take you off guard, but on the other hand, I know you can handle it. You said how you hate networking. Right. And I wanted to dig into that because I'm a networker and a connector. And I have a feeling you're a connector, too, but you just hate networking. And tell me what that's all about, please. Sure. So, yes, I I had a a dirty, dark confession, (laughs) a dirty, dark secret that uh, I just really don't enjoy networking. Never have, never will. I'm okay with it. Um, But where did this start? Boy, I mean, it's funny. You know, I think was it pre-COVID? Oh, it was way pre-COVID. Okay. Oh my God. No, I mean, okay. never. I never liked networking. <laughs> okay. um, I just never liked meeting new people. It's just not my thing. Okay. So it's so funny because, you know, we have as um, experts and business owners, we are often the face and the voice of the business. So we often have to be extroverted, even if we're not extroverts. Right. And I'm also a big believer in sort of the Myers-Briggs definition of introvert extrovert has nothing to do with your personality because my personality is very big very loud very in your face you would think oh he's an extrovert the definition i subscribe to is where do you get your energy so let's say that you're at a uh, a big event or you're at a conference you're speaking at a conference you're attending a conference there's a choice that you have at the end of the day hey come to dinner with the gang And one person is like, oh, good, more time with strangers. I can't wait to come have dinner with the gang. The other kind of person is, I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to curl up with a cheeseburger and I'm going to go to bed. I am person number two. 
I do not get any energy or juice from meeting other people in that way. There's lots of other ways. And this is also something that I talk about in the Do It Marketing book, which is of all the different marketing and sales strategies. I think, Janice, there's a big pressure to do all of them. Mm -hmm. You got to do trade shows. You got to do networking. You got to do PR. You got to do phone calls. You got to do email. You got to do... Uh, you know, sponsorship, sponsor the golf outing, sponsor the chamber, sponsor the little league. Uh, You got to write, you got to blog, you got to podcast, you got to do videos, you have to do live streaming. And it's like, where does it end? I'm exhausted. I I tell people you get two. You get two strategies and only with written permission from Janice or maybe written permission from me, are you allowed to have a third one? So if I look at everything I've done for the last 20 years, marketing, sales, business development, everything is tied to either internet marketing, which I love and I enjoy because I'm kind of a geeky, geeky person that way, internet marketing and speaking. That is it. I've never sent a single piece of direct mail, probably never will. Never sent a single press release, no PR, no media, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Don't want to be on TV. Don't want to be on the radio. Uh, As we talked about the dirty, dark secret that you started asking about, don't like networking, hate the phone. What do I, what do I hate more than networking? The phone. I've never made an outbound phone call ever. Now that's me and my personality. What I tell my clients is don't be like me, pick two. Mm. So Janice, you're rocking the world of networking. Obviously it is your skill. It is your passion. It's what clients pay you boatloads of money for. That is totally awesome. And there's probably one or two other things like podcasting or speaking or these other, by the way, podcasting is a speaking strategy. P.S. for you folks listening right now, Janice is hosting this show. Brilliant speaking strategy. I'm a guest on this show. Another brilliant speaking strategy. So when I say I do two things, internet marketing and speaking, if it's not in my wheelhouse and I don't enjoy it, I just don't do it. But so that's my Achilles heel is I just don't like any of those other things. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's really interesting because I think I am in some ways the opposite. I hate uh, internet marketing and I, I love speaking and I love teaching and, um, uh, and I love the phone. So it's, you know, they're different strategies in, in totally. places than you, but you have to be true to who you are. I totally agree with that. Um, now, the other thing, though, that in I, I, a phrase that I got from watching some of your material was, and this is something that a lot of sol- uh, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs do all the time, and I'm probably guilty of it, too, is you called it big busyness versus big business. Right. (laughs) Right. Can you speak to that, please? Sure. So this is when you don't have any scalable leverage in your business. So think about it this way. Uh, And this is any kind of business owner, but especially in professional services, right? So so small business owners who are in some kind of service business, lawyers, accountants, engineers, consultants, IT people, folks like that. Think about your revenue and what percentage of your revenue is not directly tied to your personal time, attention, and presence. So in other words, if you were off at a Zen retreat to go find yourself for six months, Uh would the business continue without you 
or would it immediately grind to a halt because you are the business and the business is you. And what we've really done is we've built ourselves a job and we have not right. built ourselves a business. Right. And so a lot of people think, well, does that mean I have to hire a whole bunch of people, have all this overhead, all this payroll, all this headache? The answer is no. But should you be delegating and outsourcing and uh, hiring strategically once you're in that growth phase where you say, hey, I've built this business as a practice. A practice means that it's you, you, yourself, and you, or me, myself, and I. And a business, the difference between a business and a practice, a practitioner cannot go on vacation and still make money, whereas a business owner can. Now, let's talk about a business owner with no team. If you had digital products, if you had a sales funnel, if you had some automation in place, you literally could be on vacation for two weeks mm -hmm. and you're selling digital courses or memberships or some kind of recurring revenue coaching type program. Uh, you could, in theory, be on vacation. The machine is working. You come back. There's new money in the bank. There's new clients in your Facebook group. And now you say, hey, guys, I'm back from vacation. It was so great to be away. Let's dig right back in. So this does not mean hire a whole bunch of people and have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of salary and mm -hmm. overhead and burden of leadership and all, all these other things. But moving into a scalable leverage business, if you're not doing that, then you don't really have a business. You have a lot of busyness. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're asking about is, you know, what's the what's the problem if I don't have scalable leverage built in, you're going to you know, sign up for a lot of big busyness and fill up the hours in your day instead of filling up the bank account and living the life that you want with the freedom and the flexibility that you probably first wanted when you became an entrepreneur. Right. And, and that's that I hear that so often. And um, I also see, I, I, I don't know, I've been around that internet marketing model and so on for a long time. I sort of look at what other people are doing and I've never really bought into um, doing, um, doing the, the, whatever they call them today, the summits, the, uh, the masterclass that goes into, I don't know, all of these kinds of things that it seems exhausting to do all of that where, yes. so that's sometimes has held me back because I didn't know the other opportunities or the other ways. Now I do very, I did very quickly learn that speaking to a group of people who are my target audience is a lot better than speaking one-on-one -on -one to people, right? It gives you more leverage, but I don't think I've mastered the other part of it, which is the make money while you sleep in that regard, right? Uh, right? So there is that. And um, you talk about, you know, stabilizing your marketing, stronger sales. And what was the third one? Um, uh Better clients, bigger deals, higher fees, whereas yes. third, so, so, systematic growth was the third one mm -hmm. yeah, in your marketing book, or, or at least I think this is where these, these come from, your marketing book, right. stabilized marketing. And the thing that I took from that also was being clear on who you are and who your target audience is, because in essence, and I've learned this from experience, you're selling yourself. You are your brand. Yes. Right? So- so how do people, um, 
how do you build, because I know you teach this, this, uh, this part of your programs, right? So how do you get people, I know it's a secret sauce probably, but how do you get people, you know, to be, do you help them drill down? Do you help them um, really, like there's a great example you used of this client who rebranded his business to the one that had the forestry. Um, yes. The natural resources yeah. industry. Brilliant. Yes. That was brilliant. Yeah. So did he use, did that come out of your course or did he then hire like a marketing or a, no, no, that came about, uh, that came out yeah. of our, our, our work, but uh, you know, I think a lot of people are confused about this. Even when you ask Janice about how do you drill down? It's like, we're excavating for something. We're, we're like waiting to discover or uncover something and it's really rarely like that. Okay. It's not like we're looking for this hidden thing. What it really is, it's a decision. It is a decision of who we want to serve and what problems we want to solve. So sometimes people say, well, let me look at my existing clients and customers. And are there any patterns I can detect? And it's like looking at a crystal ball. And it's like, no, 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 there's no crystal ball. It's two magic words. It is magic. It is secret sauce, but I'm going to give it to you right now. <laughs> The secret sauce is two magic words, decide and define. Mm -hmm. So decide who you want to serve and define the exact kinds of problems that you solve for that person. So I'll give you a fantastic example. My friend, Michael Goldberg, he runs a company called Knockout Networking. You would love him. He's all about networking <laughs> and referral marketing in the financial services business. In fact, he'd probably be a great guest. We can talk about that later. Uh, like, we'll, we'll talk about this in the car. We'll talk <laughs> about this later on. Uh, but so Goldberg is all financial services all the time. And you get to know him a little bit. And it's like, Michael, how, how did you start down this path? And he says, well, I started out in the fast food. And I'm sorry, not the fast food business, the, uh, the quick serve restaurant business. So TGI Fridays, Chili's, places like that. That's like a, it's not, yeah. it's not McDonald's, but it's the level yeah. up from that. Right. Um, and he was a manager and then he was a regional manager and he was doing a lot of training mm -hmm. during that time. And then it's like, well, but dude, now you're all insurance, all financial services. I'm not tracking along with where the food service comes right. in. He goes, no, no, wait, it gets better. <laughs> My dad was a cop. He sees I'm not that happy in the food service business doing all this training. He says, Hey, you know, let me introduce you to the chief. And we sometimes buy training from outside consultants. He started doing cops, fire, EMT, built that all out. Wasn't his cup of tea. He had one insurance client, one. Still worked in some restaurants, still did some cops, fire, EMT. The insurance guy says, oh my gosh, this is great. Our entire business is built on networking and referrals, or it should be built yeah. on networking and, and, and referrals. Uh, our industry needs what you do, Michael. There is our big national conference coming up in three weeks and you need to be there. And Michael looks at him like, what are you talking about? It's like, you're just one client. He I says, no, no, this is the lifeblood of the insurance and financial services business. Trust me, you need to go. Tell me once you've bought your ticket. Michael likes this client. The client's pretty profitable. He buys the ticket. The next meeting, still before the conference, he sits down with Michael and he takes out an index card. 
on the index card, he says, Michael, we're both going to this conference. I'm going to write down 20 names of people that I will personally walk you around and introduce you to over the four days of this conference. You keep that index card in your pocket. I will either personally walk you around or if someone else meet, you know, this is your top 20. Yeah. So he meets the top 20. Short story is he meets the top 20 at this event. Over the next two years, 18 of the 20 became clients. And now he is the networking and referral guru for the insurance and financial services business. Everyone asks him because he has so much inside knowledge now and so many war stories. Michael, how long did you work as an insurance agent? (laughs) Not a day in my life, but I know your industry forwards, backwards and upside down. And I live here now. So that was a decision. It's not like he looked in his portfolio of clients and said, oh, clearly I've worked with a lot of insurance and financial. He decided and he defined and then he conquered. So everyone that's waiting for the clouds of confusion to part, the sunbeams to come down, the angels to start singing. It's not going to happen, folks. You got to make a decision and the decision will set you free. Wow. That is that is I believe that because I've I've. I've tried to make um, sense of who my target client is, and I keep coming away without a decision. Right. So it's, it, it, it's not it's not pattern recognition, or it's not no. reading the you know crystals of sand. It really is. If I could start with a clean slate, where would I go? Who are my favorite people, and what would I help them with? And that's that a big is- bold decision. In Michael's case, though, it, it didn't, he didn't reach out. That guy reached in, really. Right, right. Yeah. And then it was kind of the force multiplier was that yeah. big convention yes. where yeah. it's like, hey, meet, meet these 20 people. But then also it resonated with him, yeah. right? The yeah. fact that this was really such an important central topic. Yeah. You know, do cops and firefighters need referrals and networking? <laughs> no. Not really. No. Do restaurant managers need it? Not really. So here's another litmus test. Here's another litmus test, Janice. When people are making this decision about where to niche and where to focus, think about who needs it, who needs it more desperately, who suffers from that problem more greatly, and who's going to value it more highly. And when you answer those three questions, this is where people start doing programs like cold calling for cowards. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's like, oh, God, I really hate the phone. Well, there's a guy and I, I forget his name, but it's a fantastic brand. Cold calling yeah. for cowards. Right. So how can you be the democratizer and the popularizer of your expertise to these people that are either reluctant or scared or it's kind of like, you know, finance for non-financial managers, mm-hmm. selling for non-salespeople. These are all kind of door opening niches yes. where it's like, oh, finally, you know, Janice is going to teach networking to people who don't necessarily like networking, which is, you know, probably half the population, half loves it, half doesn't. You say, listen, whether you love it or not, it's a learnable skill and it will make you money. So now you become the go-to networking guru. Yeah. It really interesting. Um, So who did, well, what did you define as your target? So early on, nothing like yeah, nothing. It was a disaster. Right? Yeah, and you so, struggled for a while. I, oh, a long time, long, long time. You know, first two, three years of my business were complete train wreck. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. You know, ask my wife, check my bank records. <laughs> it was a disaster. No niche, no target market, no following, no audience. You know what? It came down to no decisions. 
Yeah. It's really, I just made no decisions. I was like a cork on the ocean. One <laughs> so day I'm happened? with the accountants. The next day I'm over here. The next day I'm doing the thing down at the chamber. The next day I'm over here with the nurses. Uh, it was crazy town. So and I realized about three years in, that's not going to work. So I had to make a different decision. So are you self-taught or did you have a guru or a mentor or a coach that? Well, so <laughs> how many mistakes of mine do you want to talk about? <laughs> so again, same period, I would say first three to five years of my business, I was so stubborn and I was driven by such ego that my feeling was I should be able to figure this out on my own. I'm not going to hire anybody. And it is not even about hiring people. Forget about hiring people. I wasn't willing to get free help, free help, low cost help, help from various professional associations like what you mentioned, the National Speakers Association. Uh, I had friends there that would regularly say, hey, David, what are you working on? How can I help you? Who would you like to meet? Because they were good networkers. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need anything. When someone says, how can I help you? Yeah. The dumbest answer is no thanks, I'm good. Right. I don't care if you're making 10,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks, a million bucks, 10 million bucks. The smartest, most successful people ask for help. Always, always, always. I, I learned this about 10 yeah. years too late. <laughs> and so I didn't, I didn't take friend help. I didn't take mentor help. I didn't take paid help. Uh, about five years in, I was like, okay, enough struggle, enough suffering. I got to start paying some people. I got to start following the people who are doing what I'm doing and are very, very successful at it. Just like Janice, people who follow you are following someone who is very successful and doing what they want to be doing. So finally, I started investing with the right mentors uh, at the right time, at the right stage and phase of my business. And I would say since about 2008 or 2009, Continuously to the present day, I have never been without uh, a coach or a mentor or a mastermind group or some source mm -hmm. of ongoing support, guidance, advisory, thought mm -hmm. partner, uh, strategic advisor, uh, smart friends. I just call them my smart friends. Yeah. Some of my smart friends, you know, there's no money changes hands. Some yeah. of my smart friends, I pay tens of thousands of dollars to every single year. Uh, you need to have smart friends in your corner. And I shudder to think if I had done that earlier, how far my business would, how further along yeah. my business would be today. Yeah. People see you differently than you see yourself. So very much so. Yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. cool. Now I, I do want to want to ask you just a specific question because I'm struggling with this myself right now. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being transparent, but when you talk about, um, the services, because I provide services, I'm a trainer. When you talk about your services, and if you are clear on your value and what you bring to the table, that it is, as you say, transformative instead of transactional. So we look at transformational uh, freedom-based businesses. Okay. But just in the, the price points and knowing that you want to charge what you're worth, do you put prices out there for people to see, or do you take them like they're not on your website? They're not on the website. And I'll okay. tell you, and again, this is something right out of the do it marketing book. Okay. Uh, when you put prices on your website, no matter what business you're in, yeah. you will lose money on both the high end and the low end. Mm -hmm. So on the low end, there are going to be people that look at the prices and yeah. go, 
oh my gosh, that's so expensive. I couldn't possibly afford to work with Janice. And if you had had a conversation with them and the money wasn't just sitting out there as an abstract concept, yeah. it would easily spend tens of thousands of dollars with you once you've had the value conversation that puts the price conversation in context. So that's the low end. On yeah. the high end, on the high end, there'll be people that are premium buyers, premium, very expensive. They're buying the best. They wear the Rolexes. They always fly yeah. first class. They drive the big Rolls Royces. They wouldn't be caught dead in anything else. They look at your same price. They look at the same exact price that the broke person. And they said, oh, I thought she was good. I <laughs> thought she was a world-class expert. What's this thing for a couple thousand dollars? I don't work with people for a couple thousand dollars. This needs to be at least $10,000, $20,000 before I'll take that person seriously. So literally the premium buyers will think you're too cheap. The cheap buyers will think you're too high. Neither one will contact you and you've lost out on two thirds of your sales conversations. So for that reason, I really wouldn't publish prices anywhere, anytime. So where does that fit in to the conversation? Is it, does it depend of course on how fast your, your sales conversation gets to a result or an ask or whatever, or does it depend? You mean where, where does pricing fall into a sales yeah. conversation? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so you want to, you want to always have the value conversation first. And of sometimes course. that's the first half of the first conversation. Yeah. And then I always tell people, because one of my early sales mentors who I did pay some money to, mm-hmm. he says, uh, you got to be brave on the call. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to be brave after. Yeah. So talk money on the call. Okay. So I've got one client now who sells fairly big deals. He does kind of digital production, emceeing, a lot of you know fancy tech stuff. He'll be talking to a conference producer. First call, spec out everything, what they need, what they're going, 3,000 attendees, yeah. 17 different countries, big sales meeting, whatever. Once he gets, once he asks everything he needs to ask, he probes, he uncovers, he figures out what's really going on. What's the question behind the question? What's the goal behind the goal? <laughs> he will say the following. Well, Janice, based on what you shared with me so far, this is at least a six figure deal. If that doesn't scare you, let's keep talking. Love it. And I love that so much. Yeah. It's like, and so his clients, his prospects regularly say, yeah, that's that's kind of where where we were thinking it, it. You know that that's that that's that's not surprising based on everything that you say that you're going to do, all the things you're going to fix, all the areas that you're going to work on. So the value needs to be here, yeah. and then the price is in context of that. Here's the final soundbite on this, and we really we we have no idea what's cheap and what's expensive. So in other words, what's a lot of money to you might not be a lot of money to right. them. Right. I had a client that was preparing a, uh, a coaching contract. And we always tell people, you know, put in two, three choices. So small, medium, large, good, better, best. So she puts in 35K, I'm sorry, 30K, 45K, 60K. 60K was super deluxe. The client is so excited. The client's like, this is exactly what we want. This is exactly what we need. Holy smokes, this is going to transform our whole culture. This is going to be amazing. I just have one question. This is before she saw the numbers. I just have one question. If this will be more than 100K, I just have to go to my boss for approval. She'll <laughs> approve it. She'll approve it. Yeah. But if it's more than 100K, I got to go to her. What's the number? Did she change the numbers? <laughs> she totally changed the numbers. And she closed that deal for $93,000, where she thought 60K was 
the wow. ultimate top, the premium. And it wasn't even enough. It wasn't even enough. So literally closed the deal for $93,000. Why? Because after a hundred, you got to get permission. Yeah. So as soon as she had that data, let's bring this in right under a hundred grand. Of course. Yeah. That's magic. So do you, you have to be, um, I think, um, a bit of a psychologist as well as a business coach in the sense of what you do with the, with your clients, because you have to build them up. Sure. To believe well, although remember that. the value. So here's the deal. Value is always in the eye of the buyer. So one of the big things that sets people free from all this kind of pricing craziness, we always think that we should price the work. We should price the seminar day. We should price the coaching. We should price the professional services. Never price the work, price the client. So I sometimes will do this in a seminar. I'll say, okay, uh, here's the logo and I'll make a little smiley face with my yeah. terrible art skills. <laughs> here's the logo. Let, let, me, let me tell you what, where the logo is going. And then you tell me how much they paid the graphic designer. So this logo is going on a local mom and pop cupcake store. Uh, and it's a little smiley face. How much did they pay for this logo? People go 500 bucks, 75 bucks, 47 bucks. Great. Same logo. It's now going on a national uh, sportswear company like Nike, Adidas, etc. cetera. Uh, it is their new logo for an entire line of professional golf gear. Okay. How much did they pay for the logo? Quarter million dollars, $150,000, $80,000. Numbers that could not be further apart. Same logo, same little David Newman weird smiley swiggly <laughs> thing. Local bakery, 150 bucks. Big national sports company, $80,000. So are we pricing the logo or are we pricing the client? We're pricing the client. Yeah, interesting. It's like the, the market will, will um, it's what the market will bear based on yeah. the client. Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh my God, so many fascinating things, so many things to talk about. And of course I'm pushing the, the time limit here. I wanna ask you one unrelated thing. And that is, I think, and please forgive me if I'm wrong, that you were in television or radio or some entertainment piece. Theater, I was actually theater. in theater. theater. I have an MFA in stage directing and I did professional theater for four years in New York City. Oh, you did. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So my daughter got her degree here at University of British Columbia in theater and English and theater was, she was in directing actually. Yes, me too. She, she acted me as too. well. So yeah. And my sister got her MFA at UCLA. So I, the theater world is fascinating to me and I love it. So you're in um, Pennsylvania. Yes. You go to New York to the theater often, or did you before? <laughs> well, yeah. it's funny. We do go to New York often. We don't necessarily go, go really? to the theater. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you kind of work it out of your bloodstream yeah. and cool. then I'm sure, I'm sure there's some ex theater people that love going to shows okay. all the time. Okay. We're just not those people, oh. but we do love going to New York. We also li used to live in New York, of course. Love so that's, that's also why. And did you, um, so you were, an, you were an actor, did you say? No, directing. Directing. You did the directing. Okay. Yeah. yeah perfect. So, and so that's interesting because I saw my daughter take her degree in theater and English and become really good at business development and sales and all of that. 
and that's exactly in your world what you have done because you're right. not yeah because you've got the presentation skills as well and and you sound though like a radio voice you did when i first heard you on your thank you well that's just that's just a natural gift that's the gift of dna yeah <laughs> um okay as we start to wind down i'd like to ask you one of my favorite questions to ask my guests because i'm as you can tell, I'm a curious person as I digress to your, your background. Um, and curiosity is kind of my favorite word. So I'd like to ask you this two-part question. Do you believe that curiosity is innate or learned? And second part, what are you most curious about these days? I think it's totally learned. Oh, I, don't think, do. I don't think little babies pop out being naturally uh, I mean, so, so, well, that's actually not true. Now that I just said that, uh, that level of curiosity, right. Exploring the outside world. Yes. Conversationally curious, which I think is a difference. Okay. Uh, we, we need to be trained to be conversationally curious. And I would say that's probably now that we're talking about it, that's probably the number one sales skill is if we listened back to one of your sales calls, not you, Janice, yeah, but yeah. the folks listening, if we listen to anyone's sales call. And if we took a yellow highlighter and say, where are you demonstrating curiosity? I don't think we would have enough of them. And I don't think they'd be close enough together. And that's where these sales calls start to feel transactional or grinding or clunky. So it's totally a learned skill. And it's a very valuable skill to be conversationally curious. Nobody has put it that way in all the people that I've asked. So I love that. That is that. And, and I get it. So I love it. Love it. Okay. Yeah. And what are you most curious about these days? I think I'm, you know, I'm increasingly curious about what's separate. And again, this is a selfish, selfish answer. Of course, of course. it's fine. Uh, <laughs> You're allowed. You're allowed. I'm really, really curious because we're working on this every single day. What takes a client, your client, my client, any client, what are the DNA markers of a client who is massively successful that you have a lot of and I have a lot of from the client that's in the exact same program, getting exposed to the exact same teaching, coaching, support, guidance, mentorship? What is it that separates the D players from the A players among our client base? If I could figure that out and get the D clients up to a B and get the A clients into hyperspace, uh, we are just maniacally focused on client success right now. And so we're talking to our team. We're obviously talking to our clients about this. This is a very, very hot topic of deep curiosity right now. I love it. And, and in essence, I mean, I already want to answer it, but that doesn't mean that you know I have the answer because I think that so many times... I've taken courses or I bought courses that were self, you know, driven and never finished them because right. I need the interaction with people. And right. And that's, we actually stopped selling standalone courses about five years ago for that very reason. Mm -hmm. So every program that we now have is a mentoring program. It may have some digital resources yeah. or some supplementary things to watch and to read and to download templates, tools, scripts, and so forth. But everything is guided mentorship. Everything is guided implementation because do it yourself. No one does it themselves. Does it? That's Thank why you. there's the diet book industry. That's where the, there's the personal finance industry. If all the diet books worked, we'd all be thin. If yeah. the personal finance books just worked, do it yourself. We'd all be zillionaires. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know what what you uncover around um, 
the answers to those questions. And I actually feel really good that you said that about the, the self-study type courses because they frustrate the heck out of me. So, me too. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I could, I'd love to have you back, David, another time if you would come because there's so much more to uncover and dive into. I'd I'm be happy to. I will have both your books at that time with, with sticky notes in them, of course, as well. And could you just tell me where my people can find you? And I will put it in the show notes, of course, as well. Do it marketing, I think. is Yeah, well, that's the website. And then yeah. two resources for you. Number one is our Do It Marketing Manifesto. Oh, yes. 37 page PDF all about marketing, sales, business growth ideas like we're talking about today. Yeah. That's at doitmarketing.com slash manifesto. And then the free on-demand masterclass that you were diving into yeah. is at doitmarketing.com slash webinar. Yeah. And that's, it's really worthwhile because it's interactional or in, it's, um, inter, it's interactive. Yeah. Interactive. It's interactive. There's, the things, there's polls, yeah. there's downloads, yeah, there's great. all kinds of fun yeah, things. Very that interesting. There. And I just um, so appreciated all your wisdom. So I thank you for being here. Do you have one last um piece of advice for my listeners? I do. One of my favorite go-to sayings is simply three words. Action eliminates fear. So get into action, folks. Get into action. Love it. Thank you so much for being here, David. And thank you to my audience again for listening. Please let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.